They say you can never rule out the Germans. Well, you can now. In fact, you can rule out Germany, Spain, Belgium and 21 other nations as we hit the quarterfinals. So, who are the favourites now? Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show in a World Cup that has seen Luis Suarez feel a little bit of karma. The Belgium Golden Generation bow out with nothing to show and Gareth Southgate finally realises that Phil Foden might actually be a benefit to the England starting eleven. My name's Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by David Buggle and Neil Dobbs from TheBigKickoff.com. And Dave, Belgium are knocked out in the group stages. Are we really surprised? No, like I vague memories of when you asked me that the start of it and it's like it's a golden generation for Belgium but is it really a true golden generation of epic proportions no not really and they had their peak like a few teams in this World Cup you can see it's like yeah this is your last hurrah and unfortunately it wasn't to be for these guys and then there was a bit of dissension Hazard practically admitted that really Trosser should have been in ahead of him in the squad so it was almost like a disaster waiting to happen and then there was plenty of dissension as the, as the tournament went on and Martinez bows out so Am I surprised that they didn't get out of the group? Yes, but I wouldn't have put them to go much further. I think they peaked a few years back and that's when they had their, their biggest chances. So overall, a poor campaign for them and uh, definitely out with a whimper, that's for sure. Yeah, Neil, is Martinez a failure? Uh, well, he's not a success story, I don't think. If you look at the panel of players he has, um, he, pro- he probably didn't well, get well, as far well, in tournaments. He didn't come out. Break that Belgian team down, lads. It's not as hot as we make it out to be. Like he, he's been successful. Really go through it. They're not that hot. As a team that's in the top three consistently in the world, though, you expect a little bit more in, in tournament football. Definitely to get out of the group. Whatever about winning it, I don't think I ever really took them that serious to win it. They probably don't have enough mm. up front to win it. But I think the disappointing thing and why you would lean towards failure with Belgium is because if you look at the players that he's brought through, in particular the last two years, he's held on to the Hazards, Vittel, and basically the full back line. It's just disappointing that he wasn't able to replenish and bring in kind of fresher faces, new blood. Yeah. Dave, you say they don't really have... Good, they have plenty of good players there, and a lot a lot better players than some countries that went on, i.e. Greece, to win in European Championships. So... I mean, these these have had quality, and you look at their backline, or look at their goalkeeper. There's yeah. been a lot of quality in there as well. So the, there's more than foundations to be able to go on and win something. There is, but like it's this is tournament football. It's not as easy if it was a league over a whole season. Maybe they might win it, but this is tournament football. And whereas I was the edge, but like let's be honest, like when we talk about the best centre half in the world, we never mention Bertongan and Vermaal and, and Alderweireld. There was always Pique and Ramos and whoever else we get around them. Like the only ones who you truly talk about consistently, obviously two of them was Hazard during a period of play, and then De Bruyne, obviously for obvious reasons, and then Courtois deserves a day in the sun. But when you and start adding all of the Vitzel, really club wise, what is he? Look, if you really break down what they do in their bread and butter, they're not as hot as you think. But as I said, for Belgium, it's a great squad, and I think what they've done is decent as it is. But what I wouldn't judge them on this. It was more what they should have done two and three tournaments ago. But when you really do look at them, you're kind of going. Yeah, but the potential was there seven or eight years ago. We all looked at them. Oh, geez, this is coming through my feet. But 
when you really break down their careers, like there's only the two or three really top top stars, and the rest of them are just solid pros. And Martinez, to get them, they lost. They got knocked out with two tournaments where they lost to the winners in both. Um, and then obviously this one is the one that's disappointing. So I think overall he's done very well. And the rankings, as we know, we take it with a pinch of salt. Ireland are sixth at one point, you know. And if you get the right group and you're a number one seed with a half decent squad, you can keep that kind of ranking quite tidy. So. For me, I think they've done as much as they can. But to to, to say it's a disappointment because they haven't won it, I would think it's a bit more. Portugal had a proper true golden generation in the 90s and did absolutely nothing with them. They won two U World Cups. England had their golden generation in the 2000s and got to a quarter final at best. So I think Belgium have done decent compared to because they, they're doing their golden generations that didn't uh, do all that much. And Belgium's not really either apart from semi finals. So that's why I think it's a, a poison chalice to poison chalice to call them golden generation teams. You know, to be honest, Neil Davis brought up England um, and Portugal, who had their golden generation, but they were seen as failures, were they not? Yeah, I think it's the same thing and I think Dave's hitting the nail on the head. When you build someone up and you call them the golden generation, it's because you're expecting things. You're expecting that golden generation to deliver. But like we've we've seen it over the years, as you say, even even the old Spanish side used to always do well in Europe and Champions Leagues. It was only built out of two teams in, in, in Spain, which was Madrid and, and uh, Barcelona, and yet they couldn't do it for years and then along comes Pep's kind of Barcelona and that kind of tipped them over the edge. But I guess you'll always be tagged with it until you do win something. Is that fair? Maybe in Belgium's case, not, because I don't think they ever had the talent from 1 to 11 that some of them other countries have. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think I'm left with kind of a sour taste in my mouth over Belgium by the way it ended. And maybe that's it, it's lasting now because they, they were, there seemed to be a bit of a fallout. There was a disgruntlement over Hazard still getting his place in the team. Um, a bit kind of like a Gareth Bale scenario where you're just playing him that bit long because of the reputation that he has. And it's probably a shame to see it end like that. But yeah, I mean, look, they never really achieved what they wanted to. You know, the golden generation thing could come and go. But I guess you're only judge in the end when you're a team like that if you win something. Yeah, well, a team that has been dubbed failures World Cup after World Cup after World Cup but by their own people, by their own press, is England, Dave. And... When you yeah. look at Gareth Southgate's team, they've got through the groups handy enough. They've got through their knockout stage handy enough. Are they different to what they have had maybe maybe since 1990? Uh, I think so now. You can see that there's a, a slight steeliness to the side. The, the experience of 2018, there's a lot of that squad that's still there. And then there's a very much a massive bulk of that squad still there from the Euros last year where they know they could potentially say they could have, would have, should have kind of thing. So there's no reason why they can't. They should. They definitely won't be intimidated coming up against France at the weekend. Uh, they have a little bit more. Does that guarantee them success? Absolutely not. But, you know, look, what this is France at the weekend. Look, you know, it could go either way. The, the ultimate thing is you just want to make sure they show up and they don't freeze on the day, which I don't think they tend to do nowadays, in fairness to them. And, um, when they really have cranked it up a gear or two, they've kind of got the job done. Like, like obviously, the America game is a bit of a different scenario. They just kind of petered away. Like, but when they really need to get going against Wales, they did. Same with Senegal. Um, so there's no reason why they can't. Like, they just can't slow. They just can't start that slow against France. I'll be honest with you. That's my personal belief. But if they start sharp, they're, they're going to be well in that game. But they just have a bit of a different mentality from the experience. 
over the last couple of years. And obviously the way he does the the way he kind of drums the atmosphere within the squad as well. You're still seeing some of the interviews and they're all laughing and joking and slagging each other and Madison saying, Yeah, they call your sack again, took me sister on a date, I'd say, Go and enjoy yourself. Well if Jack Trevis came in, I'd be like, No, you're all right, like, you know, and they're all tongue in cheek and laughing. Well, you wouldn't get that access before. It's very much up in a concentration camp kind of thing and they come out for the match and then they go back in and they wonder why they keep getting knocked out in early round. So all the ingredients are there for them, but there's no denying it. And the last point I think he's kind of clicked it with the midfield three. You know, he's got the up and coming superstar midfielder that they're all hyping up. And to a, to a point, is there to be so in Bellingham. You've got Rice, who's not that far ahead of him, but is very much kind of establishing himself. So you've got two very young, energetic mid- And then Henderson seems to be a bit of a, a glue for the two and roaring and shouting and being the kind of midfield general. And they just seem to be clicking. And that could be, that could be the difference maker, maybe in. Um, at the weekend, if they can get going and do their job well, that could be maybe their their secret weapon to get the job done against France. Absolutely, it, and and that may not have to be disturbed, Neil. Even if Southgate decides to go for five at the back, do you think he'll try and do that with with the with the French forwards? I mean, he'll have Kyle Walker, no doubt up against it's going to be an intriguing battle against Mbappe do you think he'd be happy enough playing four at the back just because Kyle Walker is there yeah I, I think the Walker Mbappe thing has been bigged up here I don't think I'd be shocked to see him switch to a three but it seems to be pinning his hopes that this is going to be the formula for success and interesting Dave saying he's hit the, he's hit the nail ahead again around Henderson being in there if you watch a bit of Liverpool this season the way Henderson covers Trent at rifle you'll have a Henderson slash Walker combo trying to kind of counteract Mbappe and that actually might be a good uh, a good system to have as well so I think the four I think he'll stick with it I, I don't see a reason to change it now obviously you know Southgate might be a little bit more um, say pessimistic in setting up and wanting to have the extra little bit of cover where, and you play then Kyle Walker as the right of the tree but I think it still matches up the same it'll be Walker versus Mbappe it'll be Shaw versus Dembele and then it's a kind of a, a fight to the finish there but um, I definitely think England are in a great place at the moment I don't think they've hit fifth gear yet and I think they're really making ease of the fixtures that have come into play so far. But I expect them to have a big game and this could be it. What's their weakness, England's weakness, Dave? They haven't really shown it as of yet. I don't think, to be honest, I think Harry Kane's a bit of a conundrum at the moment. Um, I don't think he needs to kind of slip in as deep as he has been. I think he needs to be a bit more of the focal because he's not at Spurs now. And I think the fact that they've got that many goals and ironically, he's got very little of them. Um, he's creating a lot of goals without a shadow of a doubt. Um, so it's very hard to pinpoint a blatant weakness at the moment when it hasn't really been seen. Yes, USA had plenty of energy and gave him a bit of a runaround, but you know that could have been a bit of management by England. You know They seem to coast, as Neil said, through the group, and I definitely think he does have a fifth year. So it's been very hard to pinpoint a true weakness. You could be obvious and maybe say it's back in the middle, but be honest, when he does put on the England jersey, Harrogar and John Stones, they're a strong partnership. So um, even Pickford goes up another gear as well. So they're kind of instinctive ones that I go to. But at the same time, when they play for England, they are a lot more assured and a lot more cool and seem to get the best out of them. So if Mbappe is on fire early, maybe, and France are kind of putting them under, like they might kind of 
just retreat a little bit and that's where it could be but I think it'd be more of the team mentality or taking a bit of a knock more so and go yeah that's the weak link but maybe the only one that's sticking neck out is just maybe trying to get a bit more of Kane up top instead of the kind of dropping into these holes that I don't think he necessarily has to be in as much now with England Yeah when Neil you look at their forward play it's hard to believe that Olivier Giroud is now France's all-time goal scorer <laughs> and that's no disrespect to uh, Giroud it's just I just didn't think he had, had played that many games to be able to score that many goals and then you know play through a World Cup the last time not even get a shot on target it's it's amazing how, how he's done it but fair play to him and listen he is a good striker he does know how to put the ball away um, but could you see him not starting in this game because if there's one thing that John Stones and Harry Maguire can do is that they can defend in the air, would it be a little bit more interesting to have someone who might have to move them around a bit? Yeah, I was just thinking that and looking at the team sheet as Dave was talking and, and when I was thinking weakness, I was thinking John Stones, Harry Maguire, but they haven't been tested yet and you don't really see Giroud testing them in the manner that, say, a Premier League striker, you know, with a bit of with a bit of pace that runs in behind and gets them into trouble, and you know, kind of pulls them around a little. You're still looking at Mbappe, and you're still looking at um, Dembele to maybe get in at them by taking on the fullbacks. But um, I, I don't know. I, I think they'll stick with the same tried and tested. I mean, I don't see Giroud getting left out from the beginning. Um, I think this game obviously the, the, it depends then on the service that he's going to get. Um, like I. It's a funny thing, pre-tournament we were worried about Harry Maguire, did he have match fitness? Luke Shaw can be a bit temperamental it was, and who was going to mm. partner Harry Maguire? But now I'm actually saying, I'd actually quite fancy the way Harry Maguire's come out of this tournament to deal with Giroud. Now you know what's going to happen now, Giroud's going to get two headed goals in the first five minutes. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it feels like a good match-up. Like if you're Southgate sitting at home and you're saying, right, there's been a lot of crosses and Giroud just seems to find the knack of getting on the end of them. You're thinking, you know, them guys can handle because they're big, tough, physical, you know, English centre uh, centre backs. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It depends on Deschamps whether he wants to stick or twist. But I think it would be definitely a shock not to see that kind of same eleven. And um, even with Varane up on the canal now, kind of bringing back their partnership, I think that's as good as uh, a French eleven as you're going to get with the guys that are left out. It's probably just a little tingling pity that Benzema wasn't there. Because he's the difference maker. Like he's, you know, he's the Ballon d'Or winner. He's the one that you wanted to see against that English backline. But they're going to have to make do with Sheru, and they're going to have to find ways of getting him into the game. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a hugely interesting game. Uh, Dave, put your head in the chopping block. Who goes through? Ah, uh, kind of have to still go with England. Seeing as I said they get to the final, I'm going to have to go with it. But do I really want to turn next year? No, I don't. <laughs> But, uh, I just, just because I said so, I, I'm, I'm taking it back now. Like once, it, once the this coming home chance come, you just can't help but go. Oh no, they have to go. <laughs> Dave or Neil, do you share Dave's enthusiasm for England? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking at our predictions pre-tournament, and me and Dave both had France with the underachievers. So, <laughs> <laughs> what are we? Where? We're we're getting a second bite at the cherry here, and <laughs> yeah. I think England. I think England are going to beat them. I just think England have a little right. bit too much in the back, uh, in the middle. I like the balance of the middle. I think they're really industrious. I think they're going to bully France's midfield. 
Um, and I think they'll definitely score against him. So I, I just have a feeling England are going to have a bit too much for them. Okay. Uh, let's have a look at those, Neil, because seems you What would you been. say, Roy? Um, well, I'm I'm a little bit like yourselves. I, I do think that England yeah. are, they're stronger, as you said, Dave, with the, the tree in the middle, Bellingham and Henderson as uh, kind yeah. of, organising everything um, I think that the, the forward line is a threat all the time uh, the only weakness I think is is if you can get at that back line like Dembele has played yeah. really well in this tournament uh, compared to what I've seen for him playing with Barcelona etc he's he's used his speed he's he's delivered uh, Mbappe obviously has been out of this world you know he, he can just turn games yeah. no matter what way the game's going and Giroud was playing well as well so like they've got a forward line there that can cause a lot, an yeah. awful lot of problems and I am not the biggest fan of Antoine Griezmann I've never been I've, I've always thought he's yeah. been overrated but I've, I thought he's played really really well in this World Cup I, th- I think he's he's uh, been a little bit of a playmaker even though it's higher up the pitch but he's been a little bit of a playmaker and linking everything and up and keeping everything flowing I've been really impressed with him in this World Cup so I do think that if England get turned over, it'll just be because some of those defensive frailties will come in, yeah. just in behind that midfield. And it could be, you know, mistakes that we're used to seeing before from England and kind of kicking yeah. themselves. Uh, uh, but listen, uh, do they ha- do it's their, it is recipe for a cracker. And uh, if this could be England's best chance to win a World Cup, um, yeah, but sure. you know they, they don't want to have the regret that Belgium are having at the moment. I suppose that's why they will be looking yeah. at it. Yeah. Neil, Brazil, it, like <laughs> it, it, it was, it was such a disappointing second half against South Korea, all because the first half was unbloody believable, Um how good are Brazil? Everyone kind of keeps waiting, saying, "Oh, they, you know, they haven't played anyone. They haven't." Done. How good are Brazil when you look at the rest of the teams in the World Cup? Um, if you take the Serbia game out, Roy, well, I thought Serbia kind of dealt with Brazil for a period where they held them out. They played a deep line block, and then everyone else now so far they've just literally blown away. And the reason why we all love Brazil is because they just play full-on attacking football. If you've seen the goal for Richarlison, which I might add, Richarlison, you could do the Scooby-Doo on Richarlison and Pelé could be underneath the mask. Like, I don't know where Richarlison has come from. It's phenomenal, some of the goals he's scoring. Uh, When you watch him week out in the Premier League, you just would not see him as that type of goal scorer. But the flair is on the team. I think it was Marquinhos to uh, Thiago Silva to Richarlison on the true ball. Like, it's just... It's fantasy football sometimes watching Brazil, but they've a real bite to them. They've a real steel to them. Casemiro bosses the midfield with Paqueta, um, but their pace on the break is phenomenal. And you know, South Korea set up with this kind of a four, a three at the back v three, four v three. Jeez, Brazil just pulled them asunder absolutely. So, um, I think they've got a lot going for them. I think again, and, and it's scary to say it after that first half, I think they have another level as well to go up because they're going to come up against a team that's going to be better than South Korea, that's going to push them and then you're going to really, really see what they're made of. Um, but at the moment, they look harmonious. Uh, there's goals all over the squad um, and they can also, you know, dance 
like the best in the world when they need to. So they've got everything going for them. Yeah, I was listening to Roy Keane and, you know, listen, I like Roy <laughs> Keane's comments at time. He does talk a lot of sense, even though pe- people rubbish him just because they don't particularly like him. But the last while he seems to be getting grumpier than ever. And the whole thing about, you know, them dancing and, you know, it's like strictly and, you know, they shouldn't be doing that and what have you. He wasn't the only one now, mind you. But that's Brazilian yeah, football, yeah. Dave, isn't it? That's what the football, it's, it's all about the, the rhythm and the samba and, and you know, free-flowing football and a showboating. And that's that's why everyone yeah. grew up with a, a Brazil jersey and, and loved that yellow jersey. The Beto and shaking the arms and stuff like yeah, that. Baby. And all the yeah. Exactly. You watch the documentaries, lads, and the, the FIFA videos from way back and the, the bus on the way in. They're all there with their drums and little guitars and they're singing the songs in the bus. And if anything, if, if King was clever or Simon Jordan and all the lads giving out, they, they should be saying, listen, these who are dancing, this, this is bad news. This means they're happy and they're enjoying themselves. And if, and if Brazil are enjoying themselves and happy on the pitch, Everyone else be warned. Like that's what the big, the big deal behind the dancer for me is that the fact that they're happy and harmonious together. And as me and said, the Charleston is a different animal with Brazil. I remember watching the, um, I think it was like an Amazon All or Nothing for the, 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 the Cup America, and there was a bit of an injury worry for him. But the whole team or couldn't wait to get him back because he was such a character. He's so well loved there. And then there was a great interview with D Ronaldo afterwards, and he's teaching him his little dance and everything. And just it seems there's a, that English feel off the, the, the little bits that I'm seeing. So yeah, with all that crack, if anything, it's a worrying sign that that's if this is coming out onto the pitch, you know, this is a real Brazil side, and uh, everyone else beware. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, my dad absolutely would hate if Brazil won the World Cup with Neymar. But then again, I did put it to him. <laughs> He's not a fan at all, and but I did put it to him, would you rather Portugal win? And he goes, no, I'd rather Neymar win. So it, it, that's because of, uh, purely because of Ronaldo, you know, so the, ty- the certain type of personalities he's not fond of. Um, I wasn't too yeah, unhappy yeah. to see Luis Suarez have a little cry and uh, a bit of karma from Ghana. <laughs> uh, is, there anyone, is there anyone, the two of yous kind of have that thing that just, oh God, I just I really don't want to see him, him win. I don't mind the country, but I just couldn't see him win the World Cup. Has been a strange year, Roy, for the big teams. Sorry, Dave. Yeah. No, no, go for it. Yeah, don't no, say so for the big players. We were having this discussion at work today. Um, when you look at Brazil and Neymar is obviously their talisman, you look at France and Mbappe is their talisman. Um, and sometimes you get not a disliking for players, but I was trying to kind of articulate today saying that I find it very difficult to warm to Neymar. And I actually also find it difficult sometimes to warn to Mbappe because there's just something unlike about, unlikable about the news that comes out about him wanting to take penalties demanding a change uh, in Paris Saint-Germain he wants to play in Messi's role in behind the front tree and you know it just annoys me when the players step out of their boundaries and they begin to dictate how they're going to play football and then this year I think it encapsulated everything with Ronaldo with Portugal that the, the whinging that he's done over the last two months or three months and I just find it disappointing that these are guys that are meant to be the ambassadors of football and, you know, you, you just can't... Yeah, sometimes you, to, you know. yeah, you know, my young lad, you know, oh, Mbappe, what a player. I want him to admire Mbappe because he's a model pro. Not because he goes into the dressing room and demands penalties and puts into his contract that he wants his brother signed up and all this crap. 
So it, it lessens it a little bit for me, and it, I find that a bit disappointing because I want them to do well, and yet sometimes I just hold back like that, like the Neymar scenario. Yeah, Dave, what's, uh, who grinds your yeah, gears, as you I'm, would say? Yeah, I'm a little bit behind Neil with the Mbappe. It's easy to say Ronaldo with everything that's going on. So look, we will leave that for another day. But definitely, Mbappe has his moments. Like there was the, there was one the other night where it was like a long ball, like a high ball into the corner, and he was right beside your man. And because it wasn't the pass he wanted, he did a Ronaldo kind of tie slap, gave out, and the other guy just took it down and walked out. And he just kept walking as if he was still walking towards the touchline instead of actually turning around, trying to put a bit of pressure on him. And I'm shouting at Teddy like a grumpy old man. Going, Get fuck out, or just get a move on and put a bit of pressure on and you see him kind of a bit of the theatrics as well and as great as a player he is that's the, the one thing I fear I hope he doesn't end up in the Neymar bracket of that guy is a great player but he should be even, he should be even higher than that because Neymar in my opinion should have been in the same bracket as Messi and Ronaldo only for the uh, he, he, if him himself and some of the carry on he did especially that 2014 World Cup it was embarrassing some of the stuff but in that thing, I just hope he doesn't go down that route because I watched the game literally just before I woke up where Hakimi, the Moroccan right back, who did that great penalty yesterday. Um, he kind of broke through, got a couple of players, and he was in on goal, but Mbappe was right to the left. of was an open goal, flipped it across to him. Mbappe sent it into orbit. He starts pointing at the ground, goes nuts, and then it goes to the replay, and it was just a perfectly weighted ball with a perfect roll. He just fluffed his lines, and I just thought, oh, what a twat. And then you hear all the stories. So you're just afraid that he goes down that route where you know he's one of the best and should be the best but you know people aren't going to just want him the way the way they would the Messi's Ronaldo's and some of the old greats as well so yeah I, I think I would agree with him I'm just a bit I love watching him um, but I'm, I'm starting to fear like he's only 22 so if this is what he is now what's he going to be like when the other two are kind of finished and he is the main man because he kind of already is now and he's probably going to win the golden boot so is he only going to get worse? Dave, that's, is it that's, the? That's what I fear. It's the just the money that's going to their head. Like where where players, 100%. the big players back in the day, seem to just go out and play yeah. their football, didn't they? Yeah, because they're trying to. Because as as good as money they were on, they weren't kind of on the different planet that these guys are on. Like Ian Wright made a very short share point the other night, like about Ronaldo. Where it's like, has, when's the last time somebody said no to him? You know, and that's what Ten Hag just probably seems to be the guy who's just started to say no and. Obviously, Santos has done the same, and look what's happened. So, and it's the same. Like even some of the guys, as I said, the Key Tracy podcast I listened to months ago, and he said, "Look, no one told me no when I was seventeen, and I'm on 10, 15 grand a week, and he hasn't even broke into the first team." Like that's that's the level that some of these guys are at now, and they're on a far different planet, and they don't realise the the fans that watch them like us, like what we want to see the top skills, and we want to see, but we want to see them putting their putting their um putting my bodies on the line and, 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 and working hard as well because that's what we do every day and that's why we pay good money to go and see them. And when we don't and when we don't see that a lot of the time, it's very frustrating because there's so many great players out there, but they don't show them if that's the biggest problem. Yeah, and Neil with, with Ronaldo will finish off on him on this. It's happened with Manchester United and Ten Hag. Now again he throws another strop and as Dave said, mm. people aren't afraid to say no now, so he's got dropped for this game. He gets subs or he get the player comes in, gets a hat trick, and you can't drop him now. So is this kind of Ronaldo drifting out of the World Cup? 
Yeah, it, it really is incredible, right? The, the stories that follow Ronaldo, and you know, he's such a high-profile player. You almost can't believe it's happening, but it's all coming really, really quickly. You know, you were thinking there a couple of weeks back, pre-World Cup, he um, he made he did the interview, so that was his United career over. But I was thinking he's going to get some sort of a move now of what because he sabotaged himself on purpose. So he'd get out and find another European club to play with. And now all of a sudden, it's like an onion. Another layer is after unraveling. And now the national team are finally after dropping him. And I mean, the national team manager supported him through thick and thin. I remember when even Solskjaer used to leave him out every now and then. The national team manager would come out and say, Ronaldo needs to play every minute now for his country because he's he's not warm enough, he's not ready enough in the season. He needs to play 90 minutes every every game. And now even that layer has kind of come away from Ronaldo. So after bringing this kid now, uh, Gonzalo Ramos, who literally has barely kicked the ball for the senior team. I know he's done it at all the, the junior levels, 21s, 20s, etc. But like that's four appearances that he's made. Like that was his fourth appearance. Now, obviously, he's got four goals with three games the other night, but it, it's an unbelievable change to see that Ronaldo is being left out for, a, a, I won't say a new kid, but a kid that, you know, is very, very unproven. But um, yeah, it, it, it kind of saddens me as well in a way that this is the way it's going to end. And yet, you're waiting for another little twist. You know, Portugal losing 1 0, 15 minutes to go. Does he still turn to the bench and go, right? get us out of this and can Ronaldo do it yeah um, it's like he may, he's still he's still there if his attitude sort of changes I can't see him getting back in I think Ramos is going to be stuck in there mm. especially if Ramos scores in the next game that's going to be crucial against Morocco if he scores in the next game all of a sudden there's a lot of trust there for him and uh, Ronaldo may not see now Morocco might turn them over and that's what we're going to discuss we're just going to run briefly through them um, we've got Morocco and Portugal Dave what's your thoughts on that? Yeah obviously it might have been slightly different after the Portuguese performance like as much as I was a, like we I get you was obviously got a bit of a personal affair too and he did a crazy World Cup bracket where he had I think Cameron and Morocco in the final but um, people are kind of going Jesus did he know something about Morocco the way he had them there but he had all the Africans in the semi-final anyway so it could have been uh, in death but that Portuguese performance last night was very impressive against the Swiss side who were Syria qualifiers and then usually fall usually at that hurdle but to kind of do it the way they did and where some of the players making a point the shackles are off we can play freely now without a, set, a focal point that maybe be grinding a few of their gears you know I'm sure a few of them would have been pissed off walking into that camp knowing they were going to have to deal with the media scrum after the interview. So did they play with a bit of freedom and a bit more of a point to prove because to show that they can do it out, I don't know. But if they can bring that kind of level of freedom and that level of play that they did again against Morocco, definitely you'd expect them to win. Although this Moroccan side are an extremely organised side, can kind of be very nice and tight and compact, but have a bit of a bite in it themselves. And obviously it was a great game and great matchup to come up against a kind of a up-and-coming Spain side. But if uh, Portugal can play with that kind of freedom again and some of that kind of play that I've seen last night, I'd expect them to beat Morocco, but it won't be as played sailing as some might expect. Yeah, I kind of think that Morocco are going to have to have the same game plan and for all yeah. the luck in the world like the other day to go through to the next round. Um, 
Neil, we haven't talked about Croatia. And Croatia are just doing, you know, steadily going about their business. There's quality players there. You've got one of the best players in the world by a mile in Modric, who is unbelievable. For uh, I, I read a quote there the other day on Modric, and he just said, listen, he says, I learned just to get there and do things a lot quicker to make sure that the game doesn't turn physical. So I always just keep on the move, constantly keep on the move to make sure that the game that I play isn't a physical game because I'll lose out. And it's it's a great thing for, for players who are smaller just to, t- to take off. Like, you don't have to let the game be a physical game. We're always looking at players and he's a big lad, put him in there and centre-back and centre-midfield mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever, big, strong, what have you. But you definitely, have, if you if you're clever enough and you keep on the move enough and you and you learn how to do your one and two touch pass and uh, and obviously have that little bit of quality like uh, Modric is, uh, you can be unbelievable. Do you think Neil that Croatia have enough in them to turn Brazil over? Uh, no, I I think look if Brazil go about their business correctly, and what I mean by that is if they're patient but they still have that kind of free-flowing attack in football. They should have too much for Croatia. Croatia, to me, again, I'm looking at Dejan Lovren, for example, they 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 reek a little bit of the Belgian scenario where there's a couple of players yeah. near the end and he's one of them. Like, surely he'll be exploited in that team. Um, as you say, Modric just seems to defy age. Like, he's a little, he's different than, I guess, anyone in the world, the way he plays and the level he's at and the consistency that he's given us in the last 10, 15 years is just off the charts. And um, I do think that they'll give Brazil problems because they're a hard-working, really, really good unit, but this should be a bridge too far from them. Now, look, you know, sometimes it can be a shot to nothing for a team that gets to this position. When you're playing Brazil you know, maybe you go the way where you're a little bit shell-shocked like Korea or do you find another level like Morocco did against Spain? So, but I'm still tipping Brazil to kind of have too much for them. Um, again, purely based on the, the, the way the boat and played their last two games. Now, Dave, when I looked at... Don't forget. Yes. Yeah, no, just don't forget, like as, as much as we all love Modric, he still came off, I think, after 70 minutes and there was another half an hour to play in penalty. So, Unfortunately, he does get them all. So it doesn't yep. exactly, and that battle between him and his ex-teammate Casemiro will be fascinating. And I just think, personally, I think he'll win it. Let's be honest. I just think the the old will be. I think the new will be the old. Unfortunately, I know Casemiro is not that that old, or is not that young. But I just think that alone, that midfield battle will be won by Brazil. I think as well. And then obviously, I think the forward line will be just too strong, as you may. Once you mentioned Dave and Lovren, I'm sorry, it's game over. <laughs> okay. Um, when I look at Netherlands uh, or Holland, as everyone keeps telling me now, it's not Ned- or it's not. Hol- <laughs> I keep saying Holland, and it's it's it's, it's Netherlands. Seems to be everywhere uh, at the moment. So I don't know if they, what they've done there, but um, with Holland, Netherlands, I don't see a team that I really truly believe can go all the way. Yet, I look at an Argentina side who I also don't really kind of believe that can go all the way. Yes, they've played yeah. better than I thought they were going to play, to tell you the truth, in this World Cup. Uh, Messi yeah. has played better than I thought he was going to play in this World Cup. And that slightly gives me the edge that Argentina might get through here. Dave, Netherlands, yeah. do you think I'm right? Yeah, no, I wouldn't really kind of deviate too much and go into extra detail. I just think, yeah, it's the next level. I know I ticked 
Argentina, as I said, with a with a bit of a romantic twist at the start of the tournament. But, but I said it was more 51 Argentina, 49 Brazil at the time. So it wasn't that convincing. But um, I think they just have that little 5 or 10% more. But I think they're very similar. As in, they have a couple of players that give you a bit of hope. But there's not enough to really kind of go, yeah, this is an Argentinian side to fear or a Dutch side to fear. Um, there's potentially one or two little... Uh, Chinks in the armor without a doubt, and this could be their limit. Whoever wins might unfortunately meet their meet their maker when it comes to when they play Brazil. But yeah, without a doubt, I would tip Argentina, but not overly convincing. I just have that a little bit more from them based on their performances. And if Messi can kind of keep doing what he's doing, and he doesn't have to be heavily relied on, and if De Maria comes back as well, you know, there's a few other Alvarez that start to shine. Martinez needs to get his finger out a little bit more. But however, there seems to be a little bit more about them that it's not just all on him. So um, I would just have the, the edge for Argentina. Okay. Neil, tell us, what do you think has been the best moment or best thing about this World Cup so far? I would say, for me, the shock on my face when Richarlison scored the first goal because I put into the WhatsApp group <laughs> that he was an imposter playing up front. He scored this kind of bicycle kick. <laughs> uh, it was funny, right? The, the, the commentator said Brazil aren't coming deep enough and collecting the ball, kind of like a Harry Kane. And he goes, surely Roberto Firmino will be the guy you would have turned to. And then literally within a minute, Richarlison scored the goal of the tournament. And then in the second follow-up, uh, egg in the face, and he scored the one, as I said earlier on, with the two centre-backs setting him up. So that, to me, was just beautiful, beautiful football. One touch, you know, everybody on the team included in the goal. One touch football, pass move, and a beautiful finish. And a player that is playing levels above what I thought he could play. So I, I'll, I'll give it to Richarlison, begrudgingly. Dave, you can go with uh, a positive, but throw throw a negative in. What's a, there's been so many so much talk about oh, neg- no, negative. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I was trust Dave for the negative. Uh, there's been so there's been so many negatives before this World Cup. Um, yeah. What what has stood out for you? Uh, the, the funny one. It's more funny than positive, but the the amount of pictures of toilet paper laid out on the ground with a football and a picture of three or four different angles to prove that the ball was on the line to let the hands go. I just thought it was hilarious. Here's it from this angle. It's past the line, past the Oh, look at this one. It's on the line. And it's just so funny. People took the time out in their lives to take the pictures to prove <laughs> that it was a genuinely good goal. Um, but and it's not even a negative, but it's like modern football. We were just talking about it there and it's becoming more about the individual than the team. And it was never truer because they were very disappointing this year was Poland. But did you see Lewandowski giving it the big one after he got the pen out smiling and giving it the jump and punch? I was yeah, like, is yeah. he for real? They've been embarrassed against France. He fluffed the force one. Then he gets it and he runs off and jumps and gives it a punch and then smiling and then laughing and joking and back after. It's like, Jesus Christ, you know, do, do you have any idea what, your, your nation at home are doing and then everyone else watching going is he mad is he mad uh, but that's it he's got a World Cup goal or a second one who knows but that's all that matters and that's the fear and it's a little bit of an indication unfortunately the way football can be nowadays that it's about the individual and hence why we talk about the Neymars and Mbappes and Ronaldo sometimes not necessarily in the light that we want to talk about yep, man. can I add a tangent onto that Roy as well just because Dave mentioned Lewandowski's penalty 
what the hell is going on with the quality of penalties in this tournament? They're <laughs> absolutely rubbish. This thing of jumping up and doing the Giorgino flick oh. before you kick the ball and um, just the penalties are absolute disgraceful. They are the Spanish penalties the other night an under 10s goalkeeper would have saved them. Yeah. Uh, Whatever no, happened to just smashing the ball into the net and running away, thanks very much. Uh, first of all, I just want to say that, like, you know? yeah, first of all, I want to say that, Dave, that was uh, brilliant because that's exactly what my thoughts were at the time. I, I could not believe that he was laughing and smiling at the end of a game where he's after, his team is after mm. getting countries after being knocked over World Cup. Uh, especially after the performance they had before that, which was an abysmal performance. That's right. Absolutely. A disgraceful oh. performance, I would say, against Argentina. Never mm. even got out of their own half. Um, enough for mm. because they were outclassed, because they just they didn't bother. There was fear there. It was poor. But... Exactly that thought. But Neil, you're, uh, I also believe that what you're saying is bang on as well. When you look at Jorginho or you look at Bruno Fernandes or any any of these players who do the hop, skip, jump and even that ridiculous one from Lewandowski the other day where he, he he's mm. getting luring the keeper out so he nearly has a chance if he, he misses it, you know, that he get a retake. But... The, the whole penalty thing is, I've watched Harry Kane take penalties. Harry Kane gets up, st- steps up, whips it with yeah. pace. And does he have a Perfect worse race? Panel. Does he have a worse ratio than any of these lads? Absolutely not. So not. what? what's it all about? They're trying to come up with new ways of, of looking like idiots for me because it, it doesn't it doesn't benefit yeah. in any way. And uh, in all fairness... Headline grabbing channel. That's all Isn't it is. It? That's all it is. It's, 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 it's you know, attention yeah. seeking. People try to think and, and fail. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I cannot agree more. And uh, I'm, I'm, I was kind of delighted that Poland were knocked out. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up, Dave. Absolutely <laughs> glad you brought that up. Um, before we finish, out or in, the, the, the Japan goal? <laughs> Too many sitting rooms proved it for me. Japan, Japan it was in. <laughs> Neil? Uh, looked out and I'd be sick but I think it was just like a hairline in okay yeah I, I I listen it was like to go if it was if it was a goal line decision you would have got the camera and all that sort of details and yeah, it would have been done yeah. and dusted and everyone wouldn't have thought about it it's just the fact that it took so long for them to give any sort of thing and of course you're going to have question marks over it then but it does have to be the whole lot of the ball absolutely and uh uh, it know. made Frank Lampard's day, so you know Frank deserves it. <laughs> okay, we're going to leave it there. Uh, enjoy the rest of the World Cup, um, Dave. Who wins it? Yeah, I'll have to. As much as I said Argentina and, and, and England, as I said, it was only just. I I have to be a bit of a, a switcheroo and kind of go for my my first love and uh, go with Brazil. Okay, Neil. Yeah, I did that online, you know, who wins, who loses, and I got a Brazil-England final on the first attempt, and Brazil won it, so I'll stick with Brazil. Okay, um, if I kind of think if France get through that they could go on and win it, but I still do think that Brazil are, are, are good enough to be able to beat them, so I'm going to stick with Brazil. I said Brazil at the start, so I'll say Brazil as well. So it's a, yeah. a, a full-all samba dance for the whole lot of us. Um, Thanks for listening. They're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> They're screwed. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you next week. See ya.